Go. And we're back. Mike Cernovich, C-E-R-N-O-V-I-C-H with a special guest. Jay Campbell is in the house. And, you know, Jay and I, we were, you know, we were just talking a little bit earlier and the, you know, these are kind of heavy subjects, kind of sad subjects, but, uh, you know, people need to have them. And I, I'd mentioned briefly before that my mom um, is in a mental institution where she'll almost certainly live out her lives. And although she had bipolar, which they're, they're you know, and we'll talk about that actually, and we'll, and we'll talk about whether there are treatments that, you know, that, that are available and how bipolar might be inflammation. She ate, uh, she, she ate herself in a type two diabetes. And we all know that you have cognitive decline as you get older. This is right. just a fact. It doesn't matter how good you take care of yourself. Right. So you have, if you have a pre-existing mental illness and cognitive decline, once that hits, usually it's in your mid to late 60s, it's over for you. It's done. And, and if my mom had eaten better, eaten healthier, she probably would not be in a mental institution right now. And that's a fact. Yeah, it's sad, Mike. I feel sorry for your mom, you know, and obviously my mom is in the same situation. My mom is 74 years old. Uh, God bless her. As you know, Mike, I just saw her possibly for the last time um, with my dad. They're still together. My mom gave birth to nine kids. Again, God bless her for doing that. And she did her best to, to raise all of us. She put eight, eight kids uh, through high school and college, which is an amazing accomplishment. But like your mom, that generation, that baby boomer generation, they really never, and again, it's not an excuse, but they never had any kind of real uh, good guidance or counsel or wisdom about health, about building muscle, about, you know, nutrition, good, healthy nutritional habits. They mostly subsisted on what was given to them, obviously, in the 60s and 70s and 80s, which was, as you know, the beginnings of box foodstuffs. They knew nothing about exercise. As you know, they all came from the Kenneth Cooper School of Exercise, which was to run and to do cardio. So very few of them knew how to build muscle. And as you said, like essentially, if they don't have great genetics, many of them are obese. Um, my mom is morbidly obese. I love her to death, and, but she is morbidly obese. And she has been morbidly obese for 25 plus years. And it's you know, a sad situation that my brothers and sisters have to deal with. Um, but we still love her, but you know, it's just, they just never knew Mike. They really never had any kind of understanding. They're all slaves, as you know, to the television. doesn't matter what their, their policy, their politics are, any of that. We're not talking about that here, but you know, one of it's either their CNN or their Fox, right? So they all have their, they all have their barking, uh, you know, thought leaders that come out of the boob tube to tell them what to do. But like the sad part for them and you can talk about this right now to finish this, but they all are all about authority figures. My doctor said, there's no critical thinking. It's just whatever so-and-so authority figure tells them to do is what they do. Your thoughts. Yeah. They believe the TV there. It's yes. utterly bizarre. It was a different generation. And one issue that you and I talked about, even your dad had good genetics, even though he would drink Coca-Cola and the orange juice and right. chocolate milk, liquid calories, he was fine, but he ran and now he's limping around all over the place. Dude, my dad, perfect example. My dad was a major league baseball player, road scholar, great athlete growing up in high school and college. And literally had no understanding of weight training. He had no understanding of nutrition. Brilliant guy. You know how smart he is, Mike. But no clue when it comes to nutrition. You're right. And 
his whole life, he would go outside and his form of exercise was running on hard surface streets. And for 20, 25 years, probably goes back 25 years, when I knew, and obviously I'm 49 now, or almost 49, but like, I said, Dad, you are going to destroy that cheering force on your spine, on your knees, on your calves, on your you know, ankles and your feet. You are going to be decimated by the time you get to 70. He was like, whatever, you don't know. And here he is now walking around with knee, titanium knee plate or plates in his knees, replacements. And he also, as you know, earlier this year, fell and broke his hip and his femur in like, it was a compound fracture. And now here he is at 70, almost 75. He'll be 75 in a month. Walking around, as I told you, Mike, literally limping, just barely able to ambulate. And he never weight trained. He never weight trained. That whole generation of people thought that weight training was bad, right? How many times have they said to us, Mike, oh, but if you get muscle bound, it turns to fat. I mean, they, they think that. I remember all those myths that um, it was bad for your bones. And then you find out, actually, no, Wolf's Law says it restructures. I get a DEXA scan done a few weeks ago, and my bone um, density is like in the 99th point ninth percentile. Exactly. People don't realize that because if you're putting uh, forces on your bones for decades, you just have hard bones. It's, It's a scientific principle. But they would say, Oh, you can't do that. Or, or muscle makes you inflexible. You're like, no, no, I'm not stretching. <laughs> like, like, I'm not flexible because I foolishly didn't stretch for years. Right. It has nothing to do with, with more muscle. And those boomers, they, you know, and we talked too about how there are solutions. And I had the same conversation with my dad. And I, I won't have it again because I don't like to, to be a pastor to people. But I'm, we're like, you don't have to suffer, man. There are things you can do. Right. And they won't know. And you're right. And absolutely. My dad will not take testosterone therapeutically. He will not use peptides. I mean, Mike, we both know, right? There's stuff out there right now in 2019 that can literally heal, you know, uh, traumatized muscle tissue, tendons, ligaments, bone, like you said. I mean, you can literally reverse bone loss and they just will not touch this stuff for whatever reason. It's unethical. It's cheating, it's immoral, it's illegal. I mean, you name it. The boob tube has convinced this generation that using things like that is not okay. It's a mind, it's mind blowing. I mean, dude, my dad is hobbling. I mean, one treatment, six months of therapeutic testosterone, some specific types of peptide like BPC 157, TD500, and the guy would legitimately be healed, completely healed but he won't touch it. It's not even a thought process for him. Well, And that, that again is that boomer mindset is, and he's got the money. He's got more than enough money to, you know, and all of his kids have done well. So he could actually, you know, lose all his, you know, not that he would even come close to it, but you're thinking, man, for, I mean, at his age, you could get farm gray GH, (laughs) some peptides. Everything, dude. Everything. Yeah, yeah, you, you're not on budget TRT for 80 bucks a month. You're a la carte, you know. Anything you want. Best doctor. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I literally have already told him, Dad, I can have the, you know, CEO of TaylorMade Pharmacy <laughs> overnight everything to you tomorrow for six weeks for free. And right. he still won't do it. He literally still won't do it. They won't even think of it, Mike. And it's, again, it's that thought process that leads to 
I mean, Social Security is going to fail. Medicare is going to fail. It, it does um, not much because I don't fall into the hysteria of the media. But what I notice is that things that you should be hysterical about, the media doesn't cover. Like okay. when I think about like Medicare and Social Security, Tell I us. get a little panicky. You know, like what is, what is really going to happen? Are we going to have like old people in the streets? They're, they're out living Social Security. Everybody, like I'm not going to get Social Security. You're not going to get Social Security. Right. Well, we know that. And we pay into the system because, you know, you have to or you go to jail. But what's going to happen when the generation below us says we're not going to pay into Social Security anymore because we know we're never going to see it. We have real problems that, that, that we don't talk about. But BS like, um, you know, yesterday on Twitter that, you know, they were saying men get their periods and there's all this like transgender stuff and you're Insanity, like dude. we got real problems that are structural and, and nobody's actually talking about solving them not even trump i mean not even trump wants to touch social security because you'll lose uh, he will lose all of his voters in a second if he even thought about yeah, i mean i mean we're yeah i mean all well said i mean you know we were just talking about this but john maldlin just did an analysis and it's free you can go to his website john maldlin.com look you know sign up for his newsletter it's a great financial newsletter it's free but, I mean, he basically said we have 11 years left. Under the current system, we have 11 years left before Social Security catastrophically fails. So, as you said, Mike, the young – you know, our generation isn't going to get, if anything, right? Because, like, 11 years from now, I'll be 60. So, what is it technically you can start to, uh, to get – when can you get Social Security? At 57, I think, or 58? I think, I think they moved it up, but yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you get nothing, but right? right. But just technically, legally, I, you're done. Uh, but I would be able to get something at the very end, even though it would be minimum. But let's be honest. Right. Like you said, nobody's talking about this. When Social Security fails, and it will under the current guidelines, um, we will have – a complete disruption and chaos in our society because you're right. There will literally be hundreds of millions of baby boomer aged people or under baby boomer or gen X us who will be destitute, literally destitute. Like you said, talk, you know, talk about your dad, your dad is still working. He yeah, doesn't yeah. have money saved up. My dad's an exception, but the average right. person has no savings, no retirement, nothing. Right. Where are they going to go? What are we going to do with these people? Yeah, I mean, I just did some research, and even the most conservative, like the Motley Fool, the mainstream sites, are saying Social Security is out in 2034, which is 15 years, but other analysis that are actually more accurate say 11. That is, um, I don't Incredible. know, when I was young, I thought that was a long time. 10 years from now is not a long time. Yeah. That, that 10 years, you know, we were watching videos actually of uh, you know your daughters and my goddaughters <laughs> and you're like well, that was 2009 I, I remember that couch 2019 in 2029 there's no social security that is we not have, that far from now our society has to be completely as you know radically revolutionarily dismantled and started over we have to do a lot of things or it's not going to work I mean, again, I don't want to get too conspiratorial and tinfoil, but I mean, you know, Kurzweil has even moved up his, um, you know, prediction for the singularity. He originally said 2033, and now he's saying late 2000, 2020s. So, I mean, you know, something will have to change. And again, I don't, you know, we, you and I are both got glasses half full. We both do believe that we are much closer to the golden age, but we are going to have to change the way 
the structure of America is because the current system cannot support what is happening. You said it best when we were at dinner tonight. You said people are living longer. We just did a podcast on the rocket. I mean, that type of biomedical technology is coming into the marketplace and it will change the life. It will extend life. It will increase longevity, even for people that shouldn't be living longer, who don't take care of themselves. The technology is so great that it will extend the bell curve for the average life expectancy. So guess what, dude? Something has to be done with our system because, as you know, our system was created in the 40s and 50s for America, and it was based on a system where the average person died by the time they were 62, 63 years old. And now people are living 30 years beyond that, 40 and that and it goes again to that the kind of you know the boomer mindset, the boomer thinking, where the people that we you know deal with, and your my, my dad is quite has a quite high IQ, uh, as is your dad. They're so inflexible that even when you're like, hey, you don't have to be in pain. You're like these are real doctors; these are not quack doctors. The whole pile of research, and they're like, nope, won't do it. Nope, I'm set, you know I know what I'm doing, and when I grew up, it was this and that. How, how are they going to solve any problems, let, let alone big problems like Social Security? And then, unfortunately, and, and that's why I think Gen X maybe is, is the only hope for the world because the people under us, they're just – the things oh, that they do with problems are you're like, okay, they, boomers make you fight about these other things to not talk about Medicare and Social Security. That, that's why you're fighting about restaurant, you know, unisex restrooms and all this other stuff sales tax on tampons, the things that you, these are presidential candidates. So I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding Unbelievable, dude. This is what you're talking about, your pronouns. Uh, I'm he, him, or whatever. So the, the generation above us won't even use science to live better. The generation below us is just a complete and total disaster. Gen X is either going to save the day or it's over for all of humanity in the West. I know we sound homeristic because we obviously come from that, pur- that purview, but it's the truth. I mean, I mean, we're looking at this from a statistical understanding, and, I, and I'll make it very simple. We did get some, some – we, we do have a debt of gratitude to the, the boomers because the boomers taught us, taught us scarcity and they taught us the idea of hard work, right? Like you had to actually go out there and do something to get – Whereas, like you said, the generation below us grew up in a world of largesse. They grew up in a technological revolution. They grew up in an instant, you know, information. There's an app for that. They don't ever want for anything. They don't go to bed at night, like, desiring a better life. Again, I'm not speaking for everybody, but for the most part. And then, of course, Mike, as you know, the generations below that are literally completely destitute because all they do is use technology. They don't even think. They have no critical thinking skills. Siri, Alexa, Google, they don't even think. Everything can be done for them. Right, and I'm not, that's that's a great point, is I'm not pro-Gen X because I'm Gen X. I wish these millennials were were just visionaries and not fighting over nonsense so that I could just peace out. (laughs) They could create some kind of super technology and I could just be on an IV stream or something like that. <laughs> I, I'm like, please go, go solve, quit fighting about unisex restrooms and Dude, taxes. Go, go do actual, um, have some innovations. And it just isn't happening. Real big issues are happening. And the, the inflexible thinking of the boomer generation. And then, of course, 
the I mean the younger generation they're they're too flexible because they just want to argue about friv- you know frivolous things at the margins, not the really big issues. And well, Mike, Mike remember what Gabby told us tonight at dinner. I mean, let's go down even the lower generations. What's the number one thing that a young generation person? I don't even know what you classify the kids under the age of fifteen today are. They all want to be YouTube superstars. Yeah, you're uh, my. <laughs> So my youngest goddaughter, she's like 10 now? Or? Yeah, she'll be 10 in a month. And she wants to start a YouTube channel. And she even knew, this blew my mind. She goes, I want to start a YouTube channel, but I can't because there was an FTC decision. I'm like, how do you know all this? Dude. Like, and she's like, well, because I want to start a YouTube channel and I want to be you know, big on YouTube. And that's there, there's actually a statistic that showed that the number one job that people under 18 want to be is a YouTube channel. And Unbelievable. Why, I mean, I'm happy for people in that regard. I don't know, maybe be an astronaut or a genius physicist or something like that. And that is not the, even the, so forget about the millennials or the Zoomers. Well, the Zoomers are indeterminable. We'll see what the Zoomers are going to do. But the generation below the Zoomers, they all want to have YouTube channels and be internet celebrities. I mean, it's, I mean, again, I think it's more of a just description of Mike of what, screens have done to enslave the mindset of the younger generation. They don't know any, somebody said this to me the other day, it was a really brilliant comment, but he says, in my observation, he's like, if you go into the inner cities of America in the places where, you know, mostly the kids are impoverished um, and they don't have screens, you still see curiosity. You still see creativity. You still see kids playing sports, challenging each other, around each other, social connection. Whereas if you go into the places like where you and I live, right, Southern California and, you know, all the other coastal population places, all you see is kids with screens. Right. I mean, five and six, four, you know, whatever. The parents are obviously placating them. They hand screens to them to babysit them. But that's where we're at. And so it's almost like an inverse, right? Like we used to think, well, the people that had money – had the best opportunity, but what if it's now the opposite? What if the poor kids in the inner city are maintaining their sovereign souls and they're maintaining their ability to like be curious and be creative? But you know, kids today, I mean, I mean, you know, I don't want to make this a, a, a rant, but if you're a parent, you know, you know, you're, you're, you have kids Mike's age, you know, a little bit younger than my age is my kids are 11 and nine. Um, you have to regulate their screen time. I mean, it should be absolutely the number one focus of your life outside of how you make money and provide for your family is regulating your children's usage of technology. Because if you don't, you're basically allowing a zombie to be created. It's that simple. Yeah. Well, so if you're listening to here and you don't want to, I don't know, live in a, I don't, I don't know if messed up word, it bankrupt. Yeah. If you don't start thinking about real solutions because I want you to solve them. I want, I want the millennials and everybody else to step up so that I can go be lazy and live in this tech utopia that we're all supposed to be headed towards. Yeah, no, I agree. That's been all, right. Awesome. all right, everyone. Thanks for listening in. This is Jay. I'll post the links and uh, you know, the details below, the show notes. You all know Jay well. And you can always find me along with all these show notes at cernovich.com forward slash podcast. Awesome. Talk soon.